Hello and welcome to episode number 23 of the Creative Student Ministry Podcast. My name is Michael Wallace, and my goal is to help your ministry become even more creative, strategic, and effective so that you will make even more of an impact as a ministry leader. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, Today we're wrapping up a conversation on planning and executing events. Events are a major part of doing ministry with students. And we first looked at mission trips, and the last time we looked at camp. A lot of the principles and the strategies uh, that we talked about transfer between both of those types of events, and really all types of events, uh, like communicating with with parents and uh, just a lot of of different things like that 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 transfer between mission trips trips and camps. Uh, so if you, if you haven't already listened, go back and listen to those because uh, today we're going to wrap up the events planning execution process uh, conversation by taking a quick look at a quick event, the retreat. Now, I'm just in general, I would categorize any event that is overnight, uh, but it's less than three full days uh, as a retreat. So this would include anything that's like a seasonal retreat. Uh, so fall, winter, spring, usually summer you go longer, so it really counts more like a camp experience. Um, but if it's seasonal, so you have a fall retreat or a winter retreat or a spring retreat, or it's a uh, a ski trip or something that's seasonal but also only a couple days, um, it, it would maybe cover a weekend. Uh, maybe something like a discipleship retreat or a leadership retreat, uh, something that's maybe open to everybody as a discipleship experience, or maybe it's a selective uh, event that is like a leadership only um, or certain uh, groups of students like just seniors only or freshmen only or some guys only, girls only, something like that. So smaller subsets, uh, but less than three full days. Um, this could even be a creative planning trip or a trip that's designed to celebrate uh, or honor volunteers or certain groups of students. Uh, this could even include lock-ins if you're extremely bold and choose to do lock-ins. More power to you, but wow. Anyways, <laughs> I've done lock-ins. I've done uh, many lock-ins over the years. Um, and so if you have done them and you're still doing them, You must enjoy them, and so keep doing those. So (laughs) um, I would consider a lock-in a retreat-type experience. Uh, It's not a very long, it may feel long, but it's not like several days long. Um, It's a short, quick uh, event, but it does involve a lot of planning. It involves a lot of promotion. There's a lot of energy that goes into it, and hopefully you're looking to get a lot of impact out of it. Uh, my guess is that if, even if your ministry doesn't do any major missions trips or like a like a big camp event, at some point in the year you do an event that would classify as a retreat. So since a lot of the principles and of planning and executing events were covered in the first two episodes in this series, I want to spend this time quickly covering some general thoughts that I have about retreats and how to do them well and how to be effective in what you do. And then I'm going to give you some insight into how I have planned retreats events in the past. So two big things, two things that if you write things down, if you ever listen to podcasts and you go, oh, this is this is something I need to remember, remember this, write it down, get a tattoo of it on someone else so that you can see it, whatever, whatever you do to remember uh, these next two things that I'm going to tell you because this is extremely important. I learned this, uh, it took years of doing ministry before I really understood that this was the the goal and, and how to really do this well. So uh, these two big things that, that are at the forefront of my mind when it comes to planning and executing really anything, but specifically when it's an event, and especially when it's a short-term, a quick event where you only have a few short hours, really 36 hours or so, to uh, to make an impact happen. The first thing you have to do, the first thing you have to do is define the purpose early. 
You have to define the purpose of the event early on. Uh, don't just do an event to do an event. I know that can be tempting because you get into routine programming and you just want to do something different. You want to do something fun. You want to do something that uh, that is an event. Don't do an event just to do an event. And secondly, don't do an event just because you did it last year. I can be so tempting. When you do an event or, or you walk into a ministry, you're handed a ministry, uh, and you go, this, this event was great last year. Always start with the purpose of the event. Start with why. Why should we do this event? Not just because it's been done before, not just because we need to do one, but to find the purpose. Why are we doing this event? What purpose does it serve? Now, you may ask that question. I would just give you some caution. If you ask that question very bluntly and uh, you know, very almost obtuse, that's not a really great way to, to, to process that because especially if you're walking into a situation, you go, why are we doing this? That may not go over very well. But the best way to do, to, to do that, to handle that, is to say, you know what? I want to understand why this event is so important. Why do we do this event? Why does it matter? Why is it effective? Why do people want to go to this event? Understand the purpose of the event as early on in the process as you can. If you're starting a brand new event, state the, process, the purpose early. Define it early on so that you know why you're doing this event. And then throughout the process of planning and executing the event, lean into that purpose. If you're doing a retreat and the purpose of that retreat is to hang out and have fun, then do that. If you're doing a retreat and the purpose is to invite students who don't know Jesus to come experience the retreat and hopefully learn who Jesus is and have their life changed by him, that, that better you better lean into that purpose while you're planning. But if that's the purpose and you end up doing just fun stuff and just hangout stuff and like leadership level stuff, you're going to miss the purpose of the event. And when it comes to doing events, whether you're spending $500, $5,000 to pull off an event, you're spending your time and you don't get your time back. Use that time wisely. Define the purpose early of what the why the event exists. And I promise it will, it will pay off. So that's the first thing. Define the purpose early. Establish the why. Secondly, be strategic about your calendar. Be strategic about your calendar. Um, so when you're looking to plan an event or, or schedule an event, um, if you're doing something that's been done before and you're trying to pick the right days uh, to, to schedule the event, be strategic about the calendar. Be aware that there may be some calendar conflicts with church, with your church, uh, with uh, with the schools in the area, with the community events in the area, with sports, um, with with math Olympics, with with all the things that that can get on the calendar: uh, proms, homecomings, uh, big games, all that kind of stuff. Be very aware of the calendar when you are uh, planning your event. So be very strategic. To be strategic, you have to be aware. You have to know what else is going on. Um, so I, I would be very, very aware of what's going on there. And then second thing, be, be intentional about placing an event before uh, a clear next step. Well, what I mean by that is you want to be strategic about the calendar and, and place your event and not in a place where your, your next step is going to be, well, we're having this great weekend event and then we're not meeting for two weeks. Uh, so we're gonna, we're, like if you were to do something at Christmas, like uh, the, the first week in December, great, big, huge event, overnight event, draw your friends in. Woohoo, this event's awesome. It's great. All right, um, we'll see you guys in January. Not the best strategy because there's not a very clear next step or at least a, a timely a calendarly helpful next step. So be intentional about placing your events uh, where there is a clear next step in the calendar. 
so that you can promote, you can engage, you can you can invite people back. You're you're spending a lot of time and money and, and effort on on an event. You need to place that event somewhere where you can have a, another relational experience that's not long after that. And second, uh, thirdly, with that process of being strategic about your calendar, I would recommend build programming around the event. If you're doing an event on a on a midweek on a Wednesday. Do something that ties in to what the event is uh, that next Sunday or that next Wednesday. If you're doing a weekend retreat and your your ministry meets on Wednesdays, whatever happens on that uh, that weekend retreat, the, you have a Wednesday before and a Wednesday after. Build the programming around that event. Whether you're doing a worship uh, setup for the weekend or a a, uh, a sharing time on the Wednesday after, or you're showing a video that highlights what happens, you want to bridge the gap of the event. Don't don't let the event be a standalone experience. Build programming around the event. So define the purpose. You have to evaluate the why, and then be strategic about your calendar. And that's focusing on the when. It's easy to spend all your time focusing on what and how, right? When, you, when you're doing an event, when you're doing a retreat, the what and the how dominate our thinking. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it happen? What, what, are, what are the experience going to be like? Uh, what are we going to eat? What are, what are we going to have as a speaker? Uh, who's going to be doing these things? How are we going to make those things happen? How are we going to get the release forms? How, the, the logistics will dominate everything about your planning. But what you do and how you make it happen will be far more effective when you start with the why and the when. Let those answers inform the next steps and your, your event will even have a greater success of winning. So don't just focus on the what and how. Start with why and when and let those answers inform the process of what and how. So those are just uh, some recommendations on my end, just general with events. That could be specific to retreats, but it also applies to mission trips and camps and uh, volunteer training uh, extravaganzas, whatever you, whatever you do as an event. Start with the purpose, focus on why, be strategic about your calendar, focus on the when, and uh, that will be very helpful. Okay, I just want to walk you through some of the events that I've done in the past. When, like I say, when I say retreats, it's very broad. So there's a lot of things that can kind of play into that. Um, so I want to give you just some some examples of things that I've done uh, over the 16 plus years in ministry that I experienced, hands-on leading ministries. Um, and you, you can take uh, what you want of this, throw the rest of it out, uh, however you want to handle it. I just wanted to kind of put it out there uh, as as suggestions or ideas for you. Hopefully, it will spur on your creativity and uh, help make your ministry even better. So um, in the past, I've done seasonal retreats. Uh, that's that's one of those things I mentioned a few minutes ago. Uh, seasonal retreats being a fall retreat, a winter retreat, a spring retreat. I've done all of those. Um, and in those retreats, you have, like I, said, like I just said, you have to start off with a purpose. What's the purpose? When I've done seasonal retreats, the purpose that I have set out to achieve is to teach students who Jesus is and build relationships. So teach Jesus, build relationships. That's that's what it's all about. That's the purpose, and that's what you go into those experiences because they're usually two nights, uh, and you're, you're pulling away, so you have this opportunity to really uh, present the gospel, uh, not just in a salvation way, but in, a, in an ongoing relationship and commitment and, and application kind of way. Uh, to students, so, so teaching Jesus is important, and also because you're in cl- close quarters, typically um, there's usually some travel involved. It's a great opportunity to build relationships, uh, create some shared experiences for students. So those are the purposes I usually would hold uh, going into a seasonal retreat. One of the cool things that I've seen, uh, especially in the last few years, is is a way to win with seasonal retreats is giving away leadership to students. 
Uh, it's easy as the ministry leader to feel like it's your job to do all the things and make sure all the stuff gets done, the logistics, the planning, the execution. But really one of the best things you can do, the biggest wins you can have with the retreat is to give away leadership to students. Give them pockets of things to own. Give them give them little little areas where they can they can own it, they can lead it, they can execute it. It's a really great opportunity for students to one, see how effective they can be in ministry and two, see how difficult it can be for you to do what you do and your role in your ministry. So that's a great win. And it doesn't mean that the, that the experience is going to be better. Sometimes it is better when you let students take the lead in things. But the biggest win there is not the uh, the quality of the experience nearly as much as it is the ownership of the students. Uh, and on a couple-day retreat, that's a really great opportunity, I think, to, to give some leadership away to students. Um, and then the next steps, that's what you really focus on with these events. What is the next step after a seasonal retreat? Well, one of the things that I've done uh, in the past is the, the week after, the Wednesday after, the Sunday after, the event is done especially if you've taken the opportunity to give leadership away and students have had ownership of different elements of the retreat, give them a chance to share what they've learned. You'll see, in my experience at least, students who own portions of the event will actually have their eyes opened a little bit more. They're going to be open to what's going on and maybe hear more things and learn more things and hopefully apply more things. So it's a great opportunity uh, to let them share in your next gathering, what is it that they've learned? Well, how has their life changed? It could be specific to the leading process, or it could be just about the event uh, in general, or something that they learned that someone shared with them. But what what impact did that event have on the students that led? Or really, it could be anybody. But in, in my experiences, I've I've had those students who have been in leadership roles share um, just kind of as an a way to, to kind of let them share what they've learned. So um, those are seasonal retreats. Uh, another thing that I have done in the past is a lock-in. And if you've done those, uh, then you know the joy of the first couple hours of a lock-in. You know the, uh, the pain of the last couple hours of a lock-in. And you know that students really enjoy the concept of a lock-in. Now, my experience, uh, the the pain of the last several hours of lock-in uh, typically outweigh the joy of the first few hours of lock-in. Um, but it's nevertheless, students love the concept of a lock-in. I think it's just the fact that they get to be somewhere uh, at a time that they're not usually there. They're usually up later uh, and longer than they are at home or on any other given night of their life. And so they really enjoy the just the novelty of the concept. Now, the purpose, in my experience, is the best purpose of a lock-in is just to have fun. Uh, if you're trying to do a lot of evangelism uh, at a time where they're also not sleeping at all and you're trying to stay active, um, that's a really difficult situation. And you're probably not going to be that successful in presenting the gospel when they are also uh, just loaded up with sugar or worn out from playing basketball or doing hair or whatever. I mean, if, they're, if, the, if they've come to have fun, don't try to switch it on them and go, before we have fun, here's some stuff about Jesus. Don't, don't do that. Um, so if, in my experience, the purpose of a lock-in is really just to have fun. Um, winning at a lock-in, a, a big win, I think, obviously, is, is not going to the hospital. <laughs> That's always really helpful. Um, and, but two, having those shared experiences, those fun memories. Um, that's a really big win, especially uh, when, when it's relational, when it's not just why well, I, I had fun because I ate, I ate like 47 snack cakes. Woohoo! No, that's that's not winning. Winning is you're doing something together. You're having that shared experience. It's relational together. That's a win because that win really connects with the next step from a lock-in. The whole reason of doing a lock-in, the whole purpose behind having a lock-in 
has to be to focus on building those relationships so that they create consistency in students in the ministry. So they don't just come to the lock-in and then you never see them again. That's not a really successful experience because the goal, again, is to capture them, to, to, to draw them in, to make them see that they have a home and a family and a place to be in your ministry. Um, so I would focus on that. Everything you do in a lock-in, if you focus on not just uh, it's fun, but it's fun and also look at these great relationships. Even if you point it out, uh, even if you, you even point out some specific relationships, hey, Jim and Bill, you guys weren't friends before, but this lock-in, you guys have had a great time. You were on this this three-on-three team together, and now you guys have this new friendship. Isn't that cool that it happened in the church? And even if you focus on it like that, I think that's an effective way to use an event like a lock-in. I've also done uh, events that I would I would term leadership retreats. Uh, the purpose of those events, of course, is to define leadership and encourage students. I've done them with adults, uh, volunteers, and I've also done them with students. Uh, in the last last few years, I was intentional about taking students who were. Um, seniors and taking them on a trip where we could talk about leadership in their senior year. What does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to have ownership in the ministry and encourage them in the, in their relationships and their impact and, and, and show them how they can make a difference in their last year in high school. Um, so the win there is very clear. Students get to go home from that retreat pumped up to do ministry. And anytime you can get students excited about doing ministry and owning ministry, that is a huge, huge win. And then, of course, the next steps for those is is to be able to place students in leadership roles. When you walk out of those retreats and you go, okay, um, we have this event coming up and these three students are going to lead this aspect of it. Or, hey, we've got these, this series we're going to do three months from now and, and these two students are going to speak during that. Or, you know what, these students really love worship and now we're going to get them plugged in. Anytime you can, you can see as a next step after a leadership retreat, an opportunity to place students in further leadership roles that's a big win, and that's a great next step uh, for those experiences. Again, if it's just about fun, let it be about fun. But if you go in with the purpose of leadership, make sure your next steps uh, also look like adding students into leadership. Uh, then there's another large sec- section of events uh, that I would call retreats uh, that have different names: Discipleship Weekend, uh, D Now, Discipleship Now, um, that kind of thing. We even when we when we were in uh, Texas. We didn't want to call it D-Now because that was kind of a thing. And so we just called it Small Group Weekend. And it was an opportunity for students to uh, go stay at someone's house for the weekend with their small group. So guys uh, with guys, girls with girls, split with by grades as much as we could. And at those in those environments, it was all about discipleship. Now, this was junior high, so we didn't talk, we didn't say discipleship uh, nearly as much as we could have, uh, but we did discipleship as often as we possibly could. Um, the purpose, of course, of a discipleship weekend is really to fight for application to biblical truths. Um, you want to see students learning God's word and, and finding ways that they could live it out, make that truth sticky in their lives, and make it, make it livable in their lives. Um, so oh, the win there is that students actually apply the truth from the Bible to their lives. And you can see a difference uh, in their lives based on what they're learning in that kind of a weekend retreat. That makes some really great next steps because you can see how effective that retreat is by seeing how, uh, how how much those students have applied what they've learned. Are you seeing coming out of that? Are you seeing consistency? Are you seeing uh, more intimacy as far as students with relationships with each other or with your volunteers, with the ministry? Are you seeing students that are looking for and longing for and actually want accountability? Um, there's some really clear next steps coming out of a discipleship weekend. Hopefully, uh, if you're if you're fighting for application and looking for application, you'll see them applying truths, not just from that weekend, 
but from other gatherings that come after, they're looking for that same process to happen. So those are some clear next steps and ways that you can win with a discipleship weekend. Outside of those events, there's also some selective events that I've done in the past. I mentioned the the senior retreat, um, and this was one. Uh, if you've if you've ever done a senior retreat or a, uh, I, I, I we call it just called it a senior retreat because initially when I stepped into the role uh, in North Carolina, there was a retreat for seniors, but it was for seniors as they graduated from high school. And that was an event that, uh, as I looked at it, I was like, that's great, great way to spend time with them and have fun and prepare them for college uh, and, and whatever comes after high school for them. But I want to get the most out of them their senior year as possible, and I want them to have that shared experience of owning ministry their last year in high school. So we moved that event from at the end of their senior year to the summer before their senior year. And with that, we... we shifted the purpose. So we shifted the the purpose and the calendar and that changed that event entirely. So it was not just about uh, gathering together and going, yay, we're seniors. We graduated. We made it. Woohoo. How great are we? Which is not a bad thing to do, but we were, we just wanted to be more strategic about preparing seniors before their senior year uh, to be able to lead and, and take the, 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 front seat of leadership uh, within the ministry. Um, and so that was a really, really effective thing. So if you do something like that with your seniors, it doesn't have to be a big three-day getaway thing. You can do an afternoon. You can do after church one day. Uh, you're all going to go get lunch together and just talk about that stuff. It doesn't have to be a big retreat as long as you have that conversation. I think that's a really important event to have um, to allow students who are going into their last year in high school to really almost be giving them green light to lead. And to recognize that the the importance that they have, the impact that they can have in this last twelve months of their of their ministry experience in high school, to go, you know what? Just by being you, you're going to have an impact. What kind of an impact do you want to have? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Um, so that's a senior retreat kind of experience. Uh, we've also done uh, in the last couple of years a road rules um, kind of a amazing race uh, style event where you're traveling around in vehicles and doing kind of scavenger hunt type things. Uh, that's a really fun challenge event. Again, that gives really good uh, shared experiences, uh, builds relationships. Uh, you get to make new relationships depending on how the, the van seating and stuff works out. Uh, but there's a lot of those selective events. That's kind of a unique thing that pops up and you say, you know what? The purpose is we want to build relationships and we want to have fun. Do that. Go for it. Uh, I think selective events like that are really, really good, really, really helpful. Uh, road rules is actually one of the things that we replaced um, the lock-in process with. We shifted it from uh, from a lock-in to road rules. So um, that's one option if you're trying to trying to uh, steer away from a lock-in or steer away from any event that you see as, that's not effective in your ministry, in your context. Um, and again, when you do selective events, I, I would recommend as much as you possibly can, build them around your regular programming. If your ministry meets on a Wednesday night, make Wednesday night a really big event. Find a, a, a day in the calendar that works really well where there's availability and you know there's going to be a next step opportunity coming after it, whether it's setting up for summer or setting up for the school year or whatever comes after that event, big event, and, and do something big during your regular programming. And here's why. One, it's really easy to tell people when the the event is because it's when you normally meet, right? It, it's it's just, there's nothing different. There's nothing to shift. There's nothing to usually schedule differently because you have the availability of the of the space. Uh, volunteers know when it is. Parents know where it is. It makes communication really clear. And also when you do a big event like that, something that, that's, that's kind of out of the norm, 
but it's you know, on the same day, same time, that can make it easier for people who, uh, who typically don't go, who are very inconsistent. You can point out, hey, you see, you made it. <laughs> you got here tonight. We were giving away a trillion dollars and a horse, and you made it. And because of that, let's see if you can come next week or the week after that or the week after that. Hopefully, it, it, it promotes consistency because students are able to see that they, if they make it a priority, they can be consistent to your gatherings. Just one way to do uh, those special events, those selective events. Build them around your regular programming. When it comes to events, really the big wins for your ministry when you're planning any event, whether it's a, a camp or retreat, a missions trip, a lock-in, whatever whatever the case is for you, three big things that you really want to see happen. You want students to meet Jesus. If they don't know who he is, they need to know who he is, and that's why ministry exists, so that students can come to know who Jesus is. The second thing is that students can develop ongoing relationships. That's all about relationships. That's all everything in student ministry is all about is relationships because students don't really care what you're going to do as much as they care about who's going to be there. So developing relationships has got to be key and those are big wins for your ministry. So meeting Jesus, developing ongoing relationships that go past the event itself. And then number three is that students see your ministry as home, that they can see that they're part of the family that is your ministry. That is a huge win that can come from doing events. So I strongly encourage you, if you're doing events, if you're not doing events, and you think you should, take those things into the process of planning, executing, and following up from events in your ministry. And you will see not just growth in your students, but you'll see the effectiveness of your ministry throughout the year in the lives of your students. And hopefully you'll see them grow to love Jesus, love each other, and represent your ministry, your church, and Jesus in big ways in their lives. Awesome. Man, I've loved this conversation. Feel free to share this thing with other people. Um, as you've listened to the, to the podcast, maybe this is the first one you picked up. Go back and listen to the other ones. This is number 23, so there's 22 other ones uh, that came before this one. Uh, feel free to re-listen to them if you want. Uh, share them. If you're, if you're using iTunes, uh, just do me a quick favor and pop over and rate and review this so that other people will be able to see it, so we can kind of share it with as many people as, as is possible through the iTunes process. Uh, you can always check things out uh, over at the website, creativestudentministry.com. Uh, you can send me an email at michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at creativestudentministry.com, and I'm pumped about next week. Uh, next week, we're not doing a series. It's a standalone interview with a guy that I got a chance to talk to from Pro Church Tools. His name is Brady Shearer. He is in Canada, uh, and it is a great conversation. Uh, what an incredible guy. I'm so excited to be able to introduce you to him and share what his ministry does, what his uh, what his heart is for your ministry. Um, and hopefully, if, you, if you're not doing anything uh, like what Pro, Tools, Pro Church Tools can offer, you can uh, get hooked up with him. It's fantastic. It's going to be great. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk again soon.